Welcome back, everybody. Or actually, is it me that's back? <laughs> okay. I was so sick last week. I guess Claire took over at a minute's notice, which was very exciting. Glasses. I got a flu shot and a tetanus shot the same afternoon, and they worked. They both made me sick. I guess that's what they're supposed to do. I don't know. Anyway, for some time now, we have been uh, trying to help us fulfill... Uh, what I'm calling our relational purpose for which God has called us to as human beings. Matthew 22, 37-40, Jesus said, Success in life has to do with relationships. When he was asked what was the greatest truth in the Bible, he said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. I mean, doesn't that sound like what love should be like? Shouldn't that be kind of like what love and marriage is like shouldn't that isn't that a little bit like what parental love should be like loving with everything we've got heart soul mind and body i got a chance to hold my granddaughter there for just a minute or two during during worship and i just bubbled over with love and just felt really really special well that's what we're called to relational purpose loving god with all of our heart, soul, and mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving them with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I mean, that's what we do for ourselves. I take care of myself pretty good. I think most of you take care of yourselves pretty good. And what we need to learn how to do is to take care of others the same way. All the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. These two truths tell us that our purpose on earth is relational. It's relational. According to Jesus, success in life is when we love God and love others. So at other times we have focused on loving God. And we are currently in a season where we are talking about how to love others. And there is a little bit of kind of extra that comes along with this, which is better understanding ourselves. But that's not the point. The point, as you leave today, is how better to love others. So we've talked about, clarity to say something. And Benjamin, we're getting quite a bit of ring there. I, I know I have, yeah. You know, when we go into any kind of series, whether it's prayer or it's about the spiritual disciplines or it's about leadership or it's about the inward life with God, whatever, that seems to be the theme of attack. And because he wants to give us object lessons. All right? So, <laughs> yes. And so if anybody has been having difficulties relationally, it's because God is saying, you know what? I'm giving you these tools and I'm giving you the examples and the relational issues so that you could see them for what they are and begin to say, okay, so now I get to listen and I get to obey by applying what I'm learning into my life and into the lives of people that I love. Because, you know, as pastor, I'll hear stories of what's going on. And our community group leaders are hearing stories about what's going on. And you know what? You are not alone. If you're having difficulty in your marriage or family or relating to people and stuff, you are not alone. I want to take that idea away that this is what God's doing. So, object lesson. Right, Randy? Yes, yes. I've been giving you illustrations from my own life each week. I won't give you the one from yesterday. <laughs> it's just 
way too personal right at the moment. Uh, maybe next week I can talk about it. Okay, for uh, some time I introduced now this idea of the life script. And some of you, you know, just kind of go, yeah, right. But I, I really think that there is something within this this concept that if we can grasp it, can very much help us. I suggested there's a basic pattern in life that we experience, which is that when legitimate needs that we have, needs like our need for attention or affection or security or respect or appreciation or approval, when, when those needs go unmet, we can be tempted to believe lies. And those lies can show up uh, as faulty thinking in our mind, down here, this kind of negative path. And so, what we want to learn how to do is to, uh, and this is not just, here, I mean, it's, this is that double thing, you know, this is what's happening to us, but this is what's happening to others. So your spouse, your boss, uh, your child, is, has, has needs, and when those needs are unmet, then they can be tempted to believe lies about who they are or about who you are or who you aren't. And what we need to learn to do, one, of course, is to minister and care for one another's needs so that when needs are met, we can experience good thoughts, God's thoughts about ourselves and others, positive emotions and positive behaviors. I mentioned as well, just in passing, one of the lessons that, that we're not obligated to follow this negative path. That there are, uh, there are opportunities at each one of those circumstances to say no thank you and to swing up to correct thinking. Um, we might experience unmet needs. Our spouse might experience unmet needs. They might be tempted to think that I don't love them or you don't love them, whatever this is. But we can choose correct thinking. I didn't throw the arrows in on this one, but that was it. Same thing with negative. We might get overwhelmed with anger. We might get overwhelmed with a, a sense of abandonment, whatever. We can choose to, correct, to believe correctly and to think correctly and to have positive. And, of course, to hinder the negative behaviors that so many of us both express as well as experience uh, from others. So, in describing Satan's purpose in the world, Jesus compared his purpose this way. The enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And stealing, as far as I mean, that stealing is an awful lot like lying. It's deception. It's all within that same thing. Lie, kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and to the full. So the enemy is constantly wanting to take our us and others, those in our lives, down that negative path. Jesus said, what I want for you is that positive path in life. So, Jesus came to give us the super abundant life, which includes healthy, mutually loving relationships. So, to help us better understand that, I have begun to talk about some of these relational needs that we have so that we can identify them in others and begin to care for others according to those needs. And this afternoon, I am going to talk about the relational need of approval. But before we go there, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have so incredibly extended approval to your son. And so incredibly 
we have the opportunity to experience the blessing of that approval as Jesus extends his love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and approval to us. That we are worthy. Father, I just thank you now that you want to teach us how to love others better. That you want to fill us with your Holy Spirit to do this. We're each struggling. Every one of us is challenged every week in our relationships. Lord, I have missed the mark. I have sinned in my relationships this week. And I'm sorry. And I don't want to sin to miss the mark next week in the same way. I need you. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your cleansing and forgiveness. I need your mercy, your grace, your empowerment, your strength, your courage. That we might be able to love as you have loved us. Father, pray for uh, guests that are here that they especially would uh, sense your presence and know your love for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, who has my father? Uh Uh-oh, someone has some daddy issues. Nothing could be my father from the truth. Who? You said my father. No, I didn't. How? Didn't. Did not. Shabba! For me, this is a dad issue. Dead issue! Dead dad! Dead be dead! Daddy didn't love me! It seems the knighting ceremony wasn't the only time your... daddy let you down. Remember that day at the academy? Think! It was graduation. International Man of Mystery is Austin Powers. It's always been my dream to win this award, just like my dad. And I'm glad he could be here. Stand up, Dad, take a bow. Well, funny, but not so funny, is it? We all need and desire approval, every one of us. Let me give you a definition of approval, though, and I think I might lead you down a path that's slightly different than perhaps you might have imagined. I would like to advocate that approval is to accept as satisfactory to have or express a favorable opinion and to approve of. Okay, that sounds pretty good. That's that. I think we can... To accept is satisfactory to have or express a favorable opinion to approve of. That sounds good. I think that's what many of us would be interested in valuing. It's what others' needs would have. So firstly, though, approval is the proper response to ethical, upright living. 
We're to love and accept everyone regardless of their actions, but approval involves commending and affirming a person because they have done what is right. When we say, I love the person, but I don't like what they do, that is acceptance of the person, but disapproval of their behavior. And I think that's where we're quite challenged with this one. Because I think we confuse our need for acceptance and our need for approval. I think we probably miss that as well in what we give to others. And I'm going to make some distinctions here in a minute, but just follow me in this. When a child deliberately disobeys, 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 or is mean or unkind, does the parent still love the child? Do they still accept the child? Do they approve of the behavior? No. Well, they ought not to. Now, when we get into our teen years, there can be some approving for negative behavior. But it is not the kind of approval that God would want us to extend. I'm sure we all think of Jesus as being very secure, not very needy. But on two occasions, two different occasions, public occasions, God the Father felt it important to encourage and express approval to Jesus. Both in at his baptism in Matthew 3.17 and then at the transfiguration in Matthew 17.5. It says, both of them identical. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That is a statement of approval. Well pleased. And we long for that, and others long for that. But we miss the mark at times. So let me make some distinctions. Approval is very similar to acceptance. It is even similar to appreciation, and it can look a little bit like encouragement. Let me give you some language to help differentiate those. Hey, I'm glad you came to community group tonight. Is, don't give the answer. There it is. Okay, hold off, Martha, on the next one, okay? Okay, I'm glad you came to community group tonight. Acceptance. Happy they're there. Okay? The dessert is great. Thanks for bringing it. Is? Appreciation. Very good. I heard you did well on that job interview. That's awesome. Is? Encouragement. Hey, going out of your way to pick up John was really kind of you. Approval. You, within you was that that did a behavior or an action that is worthy of being approved of. Going out of your way to pick up John was very kind of you. So approval is similar to acceptance, appreciation, encouragement, and we need to begin to learn those because they're different and we need to extend everybody needs them all but there are differences that we need to acknowledge thirdly approval is based on the value or worthiness of something house loans are approved right hey honey they approved our loan for the new house 
Hopefully it had sufficient value to worthy that loan. That's the point of appraisals, right? Okay. People are also approved by the things they do, good or bad, as I referred to earlier. Hey, man, that was great how you told that guy off. That's approval. But it is approval for negative behavior. Right? And that's the distinction that I think we need. I think there are people who long for approval, but they're confused. We can't give approval for bad behavior, but we can give acceptance to people no matter what their behavior is like. And that's, I think, what Jesus did. Read the Gospels. Jesus is tremendously accepting And we're going to show four incidences later where he's approving. But that doesn't come to everybody. Acceptance comes to everyone. Approval comes to those with righteous and godly behavior. So, approval is based on the value of worthiness. Son, when you told the truth to your boss, that showed a lot of integrity. That's approval for positive behavior according to what the Bible and historical moral behavior describes. The trouble is, is we don't value historical moral behavior much anymore. And we applaud the negative and the bad behavior. Movies train us to do that all the time. Two weeks ago, I got uh, two emails that both very much impacted me. I think they even came on the same day. They, I believe, incorporate some of this area of approval, but probably there's some mixed-in encouragement as well. One of them made me very, very sad, and it left me feeling pretty low. The other one made me feel really good, and it left me feeling encouraged, valued and of value. So I want to read the positive one as it demonstrates, I think, what we're talking about. Dear Pastor Randy, I want you to know that the relational series on Sundays has been great help. I'm very often not a very sympathetic person when it comes to the little stuff in life. It's an area I don't require a lot of sympathy, and so I haven't been giving much sympathy either. I realized in the last few weeks that my husband and children are people who need someone to share that moment when they have something sad happen. I've really been working on it, and I think it has helped a lot. When my son falls and scrapes a knee, I try to stop and say, I'm sorry that you are hurting, and spend a moment with him instead of my normal, hey, you're okay, get up, jump up, let's go. So I appreciate that lesson and all the others which have helped also. This series has helped me grow a lot. And with the homework to show a good way to put the teaching to practice, I see where we're gaining a lot more peace in our home. And that touches me in the area of encouragement, for sure. Doing a good job. Pat me on the back. Good, good sermon, Pastor. With some, but it's touching their life and it's making a difference. And that's what's ringing for value for me. Does that make sense? So, again, this is... This is extending approval to godly, appropriate, righteous behavior. Fourthly, approval needs to be given for what is godly and eternal, not what is temporal and insignificant. When a child is approved for hitting a home run, 
or making a basket or even winning a game. They can mistake temporal goals for true successes. And what we need to learn to, is to do is to encourage and praise children, teens, and our friends and family in their efforts and accomplishments, but we need to approve of the more significant things like teenmanship, discipline, overcoming fears, stick-to-itiveness, considering others' needs and feelings. You know, there are you know, sports movies that obviously exonerate the, the great you know, champion winning kind of a person. But occasionally one will come around where it, it acknowledges teammanship or it acknowledges others. Someone who comes along and really lifts up and honors the rest and somebody else is exonerated as a result. Those are the kinds of, of values we need. Now, our society is very, very highly performance-based. Competition and winning are highly valued and approved of. I, myself, am a very competitive person. I like to win. The problem, though, is that a highly competitive, win-oriented child or youth becomes a highly competitive, win-oriented adult that sometimes ends up disregarding the greater values of kindness, care for others, and may end up walking over and hurting other people. Sports are great. There's nothing wrong with sports. They're wonderful. Just need to approve the right things. Make sense? Okay. All right. Jesus gave approval to those who did right. Jesus was very concerned about the relational needs of others. And as we go through this series and we identify uh, these relational needs, I'm going to pull them from, a lot of them, from the Gospels, where Jesus is giving it to another person. That's going to be my goal. Occasionally, we'll do some of them where it will touch where Jesus himself is needy of that and receives it. So, let's look at, uh, I guess, just three accounts. Three accounts of where Jesus approved of others. Jesus gave approval to an older widow. Not an old lady, an older widow, more mature. Math, uh, Mark 12:41 through 44. Sitting across from the offering box, Jesus was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. One poor widow came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over and he said, The truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. So here we're seeing Jesus, seeing somebody seeing what's going on, and approving of that. I don't know that the woman heard this or not. The text would probably suggest that it doesn't suggest anything. That's what it suggests. (laughs) But she might have heard it. Or maybe Jesus went over to her afterwards. I don't know. But Jesus noticed, and so did God. And they approved of this woman for her sacrificial giving and her trust in God. Two things to approve of in others. Jesus also at another time gave approval to a Roman military officer. 
the officer had come to Jesus and he had asked for Jesus to come and to heal his servant. Uh, Jesus had agreed to go, but the uh, soldier insisted that all Jesus had to do was speak the word and the servant would be healed. Jesus was very surprised and says in Matthew 8.13, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all the land of Israel. That's a whole lot of people. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go on home. What you have believed has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. So here Jesus is startled, amazed at at someone's behavior. And he speaks a tremendous approval of it. And what was it that Jesus was approving? He was approving this man's faith and trust in God. Similar to the woman. A third case where Jesus gave approval to an outcast. These are not the only three. They happen to be three that uh, I bumped into fairly quickly. He gave approval to an outcast. An individual with leprosy. On one occasion, ten men with this disease of leprosy approached Jesus. And they pleaded with him for mercy. Keep in mind, most of you probably know, uh, leprosy in that era, as it still is, is very communicable. And um, nowadays we have somewhat ability to control it. Then there were none. And these people were cast out from the society and had to live apart. So relationship was cut off. And not only is there the physical disease, but there's the emotional, there's the relational disease that's happening to them. What in the world are they feeling and thinking in their minds about themselves, right? Little approval wouldn't hurt. He then told them to go and show that they had been healed to the temple priests. And while they were on their way to do that, they were healed. Now, this text could be opened up in in many profound ways, but I'm just acknowledging uh, today this element of approval. Luke 17, 15, 19 says, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God, I'm healed! He fell face down on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Again, double despised. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Does only this foreigner return to give glory to God? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. The text says your faith has healed you. But that's one word. It's the word sozo. It is always translated. Excuse me. It is often translated, made you well. The woman with the um, issue of blood. Your faith has sozoed you. Here in this text, your faith has sozoed you. And most of the time, sozoed. Everybody say that real fast. Sozoed. Anyway, 
uh, most of the time we translate it in a healing context like this, healing. But the text had already spoken about healing. They all got healed. The kid was already healed. Man, kid. They all got healed on the way. The reason he came back is to praise and glorify God and to say thanks. Something worthy to be approved of. Jesus now is acknowledging something else is occurring to this man that didn't occur to the other nine. I don't know. The text is not real clear other than there is that word that is also used in other texts where it says your faith has saved you. And I would, I would just speculate from that, that there is something other that is occurring in this man's life as a result of this incredible behavior. Jesus gave approval to this man's gratitude to God and to him. All right, so those are three um, examples. And what I want to do next is uh, just give some ways that we can give approval to others. This is our primary focus of why we're doing this. How can we do this? What could it look like? So I want to talk about a variety of ways. Approval can be given in a variety of ways, and I want to talk about a couple of those. Firstly, something that helps to extend approval to others is notice. It's not an underlined, highlighted word, but it, it could be. Notice. Take note. Sometimes we're just... So into ourselves, right, come on, that we're not noticing what's happening in other people's lives. So we need to notice when people, one, show admirable character traits. Show admirable character traits like these, gratitude, faithfulness, thankfulness, whatever they might be. When we see godly characteristics in a person's life, that's something to notice and to extend value towards and to speak approval of. Notice when people resist evil. You know, in the news, we get, we get all, the, all the cases of where everybody didn't resist evil. <laughs> so the news highlights that. And very rarely, occasionally, we get those neat little ones that are buried somewhere on page you know, 22 at the bottom where somebody did a good deed. You know, saved a dog or a cat out of a tree or something. And we approve of those things. But in real life, (laughs) for the rest of us, when we resist evil, when those around us resist evil, and make choices to do the right thing, that is something worthy of approving of and to acknowledge, to notice. All right? You can also notice when people stand up for what's right. Again, in in our society and our city, Um, occasionally, you know, we're out in the middle of the world, whether that be at school or the workplace or whatever, and we see someone do something, stand up for what's right, make a statement about something that's right, and the rest of the world likes to shoot that thing down. Let's blast that plane out of the sky. But if we notice... Whether we do it in public in that immediate moment or whether we go aside in another time. To acknowledge, to demonstrate approval for those who stand up for what's right is a godly thing to do. Notice when people persevere through difficult times. 
You know, we all have seasons of our life where there's difficulties and it's hard. And there are many, most of you in this room that I'm familiar with, have persevered. And I am in awe of you who have done that. And so is God. And when that happens, that needs to be acknowledged and to evidence approval. Notice when people take initiative to do good, to do good deeds, to do what's right and kind. Those are some things that we can do. We need to learn to notice. Now, we can't get away from the fact that there are going to be people who express negative behavior. So there is a challenge in that we do still need to accept people, but we need to approve of their behavior. My wife has this one down really, really well. She does a really good job of accepting me while sharing with me those things that she disapproves of. I've got 30 years of that under my belt. Got it last night. But that's where I have that opportunity to think rightly. When she comes to share with me something about my behavior, I could go to the place of saying, like I have historically, well, I'm just a bad person. And for me, that's not a good step. step. That's a step down for me. I don't know what your mind does. We all have these little uh, trails that we lead in life that are very, very worn. The path is worn well. And mine of I'm a bad person is a well-worn path. But I am making choices to take captive my thoughts, like we talked about a few weeks ago, and to regard and remember what's true. And what's true is my wife loves me. What's true is that Jesus died for my sins and paid every single penalty. And what's true is that the Holy Spirit lives in me and greater is He in me than even what's happening around me or even what I'm doing. And that His power is available for me. And that's truth. And we all have got to remember to believe those things. The enemy's the liar. He's trying to take you down your path and drown you at the bottom. Isn't he? Suicide. This week, I get a. Uh, I go into uh, work. I'm doing a temp job currently. There's a gentleman there who is um, uh, appears to be a solid Christian. Uh, teaches Sunday school, ninth grade at a church here in town. And uh, I walked by his office. He said, "Come on in. Put your pastor hat on." Okay. See, I'm known. Anyway, there I am doing accounting with my pastor hat on. Anyway, he said, Bray, put your pastor hat on. Come around the desk. Look at this. And there's a uh, MySpace uh, of a, a young girl, 12 years old, who is uh, one of the very good friends of his daughter. And they had been in school together. They, uh, this girl goes to church with them. 
But there on that MySpace uh, situation, and Joy, he did give me that link, but I forgot to give it to you. Um, there was a 12-year-old uh, despairing of the challenges of life. She lost her dad four years ago. Their family spent every dime they had and more attempting on the medical to minister and care for him and left them destitute. And um, life has not been easy. And she lists on that page many challenging issues for her and then says near the bottom something like, wouldn't it just be better if I wasn't here? Now, they did get a chance to contact her uh, this week. That was on Thursday. Um, I don't know how that came out on Friday. But are you going to be praying for her? I told him that we would be praying. Her name is Susan. So that's where the enemy wants to take us. That's where those steps of lies go. They go to bad behavior first, but then they go to death. All right. So we need to learn to accept people but somehow be able to appropriately, kindly, with love, disapprove of their wrong actions or behaviors. I love you. You are very special and important to me. But I'm disappointed in that habit that you have or in that action you took or in what you said to me. Very disappointed. Now, we don't call them a jerk and you blankety blank and all that that's not going to accomplish um, accepting the person um, but that's a challenging one but Jesus did that pretty good and uh, that acceptance turned around a ton of people with some pretty bad behaviors if you read through the gospels alright number three don't just correct others for doing wrong though let's not get off on making sure that we let everybody know their bad behaviors but again the better thing to do or maybe more often we ought to think about how we can approve them for doing right catch people in the act of doing something right and express privately or publicly approval for their action thank you so much for taking out the trash this morning be that simple. I'm so proud of how you handled losing that race. I've really noticed your sensitivity to my needs lately. Thank you so much. We need to learn to notice and to catch people and to begin to highlight. Our society so values sarcastic humor. And the trouble with sarcastic humor is it's got a hook on the end of the line. And we throw out that humor, ha, 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 and then it catches on them and it jerks them down most of the time. And then what do they do? Sarcastic humor back. Ha, ha, ha. But it bites and it hurts and it wounds. And we need to learn to speak that which is good and beneficial and builds people up, Paul says in Ephesians. Not tears them down. We need to catch people for what they're doing. We need to not so much maybe correct them for their wrongs as to approve of what they're doing right. 
And then number four, affirm and approve others when they take action on things that matter to God. The things that have eternal significance. Such as when people reach out to those who don't know God. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. When we do that, when you see others doing that, that is something to approve of and to extend uh, care towards and to notice. I must admit, that's something I'm having an opportunity of at the work situation. It's kind of fun. I could tell you a couple stories, but I won't right now. But when we reach out to others. Another thing to approve and affirm people for is when people care, genuinely care for other people. Matthew 5, 7. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. When we extend mercy to others, God claps in heaven. Woohoo! You know what I'm going to do? Here's some more mercy. When people invest in care for the poor. And this one I've I've highlighted in every time I've ever mentioned this one. This is hard. I just, you know, what is who are the poor? You know, it's a little bit like Jesus is uh, you know, was asked, "Well, who's my neighbor?" And he identified uh, an outcast, someone who's downcast, someone who's been injured, the Samaritan in that particular story. But when people invest in the poor, God is pleased. Mark 10:21. Jesus said to one rich young man, Go and sell all you have and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And I believe that we need to find out how to do that today in our society. We need to affirm and prove others when people care for widows and orphans. James one twenty seven. Pure and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father. Lasting. Lasting religion. Pure and lasting religion. Religion probably parallel to righteous behavior. Not so much religion as in the sense of getting saved. Religion as in the sense of appropriate godly behavior. Pure and lasting godly behavior in the sight of God our Father is that we would care for orphans and widows in their troubles. And again, it's really easy to highlight in our society today that one as being um, those that are being raised in single parent homes. as the widows and the orphans who need the extra care and support primarily relationally but they're going to need more than that whether it's whether it's the dad or the mom it's a challenge this is a, a challenging arena and there is space and opportunity to learn how to give and extend care in that setting to be able to please God when people dedicate themselves to God, when people make a choice, you know what, I'm not going to pursue this path. Because of these issues, I'm going to pursue this one. That is worthy of approval. Dear Christian friends, I plead with you, Romans 12, 1 and 2, to give yourselves completely to God 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. All right. I'm going to transition now for a minute into my closing section. All of us need approval. All of those around you need approval. Those who are closest to us. But we also need approval from God. But there's a problem. If approval is to accept as satisfactory and to have or express a favorable opinion of another, how do we get God's approval? The Bible tells us that God is perfect, all-loving, all-kind, pure, with no fault. Now, while some of us may be, you know, we're not too bad, pretty good people. We haven't done too much. We never killed anybody. Right? Or other awful things that are that come to your mind. But some of us have. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to use this ladder for a moment. And uh, some of you are wondering, why did they leave that ladder out? It's a prop. Okay. So If this uh, ladder is kind of an illustration or a picture to us of God's goodness, and that the top of this ladder is uh, somehow where God is, then uh, we're somewhere in between the ground and there. And so are those around us. Now, everyone has uh, revered Mother Teresa in, in our society as a, as a wonderful, self-sacrificing individual. She's passed, of course, uh, getting rewards in heaven, I'm confident. Uh, but, I mean, if I were going to think of Mother Teresa, I, you know, I'd I mean, she's, she's not up there. I mean, you know, we'd probably put Jesus on top with, with God up there, right? I mean, you know, sitting at the right-hand thing. So they're both sitting, and the Holy Spirit's kind of hovering around them. Okay, Mother Teresa, where would she go? I'm sorry? She's pretty high up. Is that what you all think? Okay, we got, we got a pessimist there in the back. Okay. Rest of you seem to be pretty satisfied that she's she's in here somewhere. All right, um, Billy Graham also passed on a man of tremendous integrity. Oh, he's not. Oh, I'm sorry. He, Bill Bright has he he could be an example too. Although sadly, not as many people know him. Uh, John Wimber. Okay, uh, Billy Graham still alive. Where's he? He's. He's not up there with Jesus. He's he's still down here with us. <laughs> so he's is he as is he as high up as Mother Teresa? Not quite. He's a little he's a little bit down here. I I don't know. I mean, he's led a lot of people to Christ. I mean, uh, you know, he had a practice. You guys probably know this, but he had a practice. He never uh, stayed in a hotel room alone, and he was never alone. 
on any of his trips. He always had a, uh, he was married, of course, but when his wife wasn't with him, he always took a, uh, a, a team, including uh, one person who would be with him at all times for the issues uh, and challenges of integrity that, that many have faced and failed. And so that was one of his decisions to do that. So anyway, okay, so he's, he's somewhere, somewhere around here, depending on, yeah, okay. Then there's you and me. <laughs> the basement. <laughs> the ladder's sitting on us. Where does our goodness compare to God, Jesus, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham? Isaiah 64:16 says, "We are all infected and impure with sin. When we proudly display our righteous deeds, we find, compared to God, they are but." filthy rags. Now, if we need and want God's approval, but we're so far below His level of goodness, how do we get it? Oh yeah, we might do a nice deed every once in a while, but then we don't really measure up. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Titus 3, 3-5. Once we were foolish and disobedient, We were misled by others and became slaves to many wicked desires and evil pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. We hated others and they hated us. Pretty good description of society and most of us. But then, God our Savior showed us His kindness and love. He saved us not because of the good things we did, those one or two that get us onto the black plastic down there instead of underneath it. He saved us not because of the good things we did, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us a new life. Through the Holy Spirit. Wow. See, the old life, way too often we try and pretty up and clean up the old man. Paul talks about the language of the old old man, meaning the, the what? The dead man. Some of us, he keeps getting out of the, the coffin. But we don't, we can't clean up the old man enough. He needs to die. He needs, he, she needs to be crucified to the cross. How did God do that? How did he establish and wash away our sins? 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, He poured God's goodness into us. And now when God looks at you, 
he says, I am so pleased. My son, my daughter, whom I love, whom I am so pleased with. The bottom line is that sometimes, someplace, each of us has to come to terms with the fact that we don't match up to God's standard of goodness. Our goodness falls too short. We can't get there from down there. We have to realize that our good deeds towards others, like caring for the poor, giving money to godly organizations, can't win us God's approval. Our good deeds towards God, which are really good, like those things, or being baptized, or communion, or prayer, really good things, they don't win God's approval either. They're acts of love towards the one who has loved us perfectly. I don't win my wife's love by being nice to her. Or being nice to our family. Eh, she can feel a little bit better about me. But I don't win her love. Her love is a choice. She made it 30 years ago. Has to make it every day. Bless her heart. It's a choice. And she, like God, has the ability to recognize that Randy is dying. And Jesus is resurrecting in him. And we need to do the same thing for those around us. Way too often we're caught up in the negative behavior of others, aren't we? Don't just all this negative interpretation I talked about a few weeks ago, just, you know, we see somebody dressed a certain way, acting a certain way, uh, behaving a certain way, and we're just, man, if, if we were God, we'd zap them right now. Just get them off the planet. But Jesus wants them saved. And the only way they're going to be saved is if somebody will accept them while disapproving of their behavior and love them to God. I tell you, before people can learn to love God, they've got to be loved by us. Claire and I were talking a couple weeks ago. Uh, she's she's uh, working uh, with Joyce McKay at uh, a Bernina um, sales store within Hancock. She and I are both out in the work world these days. You can tell by the number of seats here, there's not quite enough money to support our salary these days. So we're both out working. Okay, it's kind of cool. It's actually got some benefits here. Um, one of which is we're getting the opportunity to rub shoulders with people. But Clara made the comment the other day to me. She said, can you imagine if every Christian was absolutely the best employee by far because of Christ-likeness of integrity, character, kindness, beyond time, aren't arguing, iron your shirt. My wife does most of the time, bless God. (laughs) We ought to be 
the shining example in the world of Christ that would draw others to us and to God like magnets. Not like maggots. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. If you're here today and you have never acknowledged and recognized how far of a miss you are from God, you need to do that. It's a simple step. But it's an important one. It's an eternal step. It's the only one that will get you up that ladder. And it's because of Christ's love and God's love and mercy is available to you. And then, as we become transformed by the renewing of our mind, as that passage spoke about, we will understand more and more, better and better, God's will and will live as shining lights, stars, shining stars in the world. Let's pray. Father, I just want to acknowledge and thank you for coming down the ladder to me. I didn't have what it took to climb it. So you came down. And you've picked me up. And you've carried me back up. And Paul says that we are now already seated in the heavenlies with Christ by faith. Thank you for that gift. And Father, for anyone here who has not made that choice and acknowledged the work of Christ and has not experienced, go, your faith has saved you. I welcome that to happen today. Father, thank you for your approval that comes extended to us by mercy and love and is not withheld. You saved us not because of the good things we did, but because of your mercy. You washed away our sins and gave us new life through Holy Spirit. You have in exchange for our sins poured your goodness into us and now when you look at us you smile and you glow like a lovesick husband or wife or papa or mama just extend approval to us. Lord, might we lay hold of that and believe it. The enemy longs to steal that from us, to take it away, to leave us feeling worthless, 
bad. And we welcome you to sanctify us by your word, seeing us transformed, renewed in our minds, putting off the old and putting on new behavior that glows of the life of Christ. Might he become our hero rather than these sports and um, successful people and Lord, let us value and approve of what really counts and matters. Thank you. Now, Father, as we wrestle with uh, our own issues of acceptance and approval, I welcome you, Lord, to transform us into those who are on the lookout for catching people when they do what's right to acknowledge and approve of them. Lord, in our homes, could we get less sarcastic and more encouraging? Could we less poke at our mistakes and our weaknesses and honor and highlight the good things we do and the strengths that we see. Oh Lord, so much our kids in our society would be so much more filled with life if we could learn to do that better. Thank you. But have your way in us, through us, in this church, through this church, in this city, through your people. Lord, might we become those shining stars that so stand out above the crowd because of integrity and faithfulness and loyalty and honorability We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you to save, heal, and renew. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know where to go with that other than just to uh, welcome those who would be uh, willing to pray uh, with others. If you... uh, perhaps are wrestling with um, this as a topic, whether it be in the arena of extending approval to others, knowing how to do that, whether it be in the arena of um, your need for approval, please come, let some of these folks pray with you. Uh, Maybe this issue, a topic of uh, as an employee is an issue, maybe needs to be thought through, maybe need some prayer for that. Some of you may have come with... uh, Relational challenges, like we've Clara was highlighting and talking about, that you've been under attack um, and experiencing um, 
uh, living examples of what we're talking about on Sundays. In fact, if any of you would like to give your testimony instead of me giving mine every week, that would be great. I would be happy to let you tell your story. And then if any of you here are uh, battling sickness or illness or uh, fearful of uh, some level of sickness, I would welcome you to come and receive prayer. These folks would love to do that. Thanks for coming. Have a great week. Might you be a blessing to others this week in Jesus' name.